morning. Turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1, where it's where we're going uh, now on Sunday nights. The book of Numbers. Chapter 1, I'll be reading verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. The message tonight is entitled, Numbers is slash are important. So Numbers is important, the book, but Numbers are important. And so that's what we're going to see tonight. Beginning in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month of the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. From twenty years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of the house of his fathers. Thank you. you. may be seated. So Numbers is important. The book of Numbers is important. It's one of the ones that, uh, well, when somebody becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, we don't tell them to start at Numbers or Leviticus. You know, we normally tell them to start in John or something like that. Uh, but Numbers is important. We're going to see that as we uh, spend time together in the book of Numbers across, I don't know how long it's going to take us, but till we finish. But Numbers are important, too. Think about it. Uh, temperature. Yeah, Karis was complaining this morning that it was Antarctica in here. I am like sweating. It's so hot in this place. But anyway, she said it was Antarctica. Uh, but I looked on my, my phone has the, the thermostat. I could see. And, you know, it said it was 70 degrees. Uh, 70 is a number. Okay? 70 is a number. Uh, your speedometer on your car. You know, you know how fast you're going because of numbers. Even grades in school. Numbers. In fact, I heard a story. Little Susie got home. And she told her dad she got 100 in school. Her dad told her to go sit down and tell him all about it. They sat down. She said, well, I got a 20 in math, a 30 in science, and a 50 in spelling. <laughs> so you add that up together, that's 100. Anyway. So I also recently heard there is a tribe in Brazil that has no system of numbers. And so they communicate. You know, they have language. But they don't have numbers. I mean, even here at church on Sunday night, what, what would we do if we didn't have numbers? You guys tell us what number hymn, you know, we're going to sing. If we just had a random collection of papers each of us had and said, well, let's sing at Calvary. And everybody's trying to find it. But the numbers help keep us organized. Our hymns, attendance. What about Bible verses? When I or somebody asks you to turn to a certain name of the book and then the number, the verse, you know, the chapter and the verse. Numbers are important. And so let's look as our introduction into the book of Numbers today. Now, first of all, looking at instruction, God spoke to Moses in the tabernacle, verse 1 says. And God told Moses to count the men of Israel, specifically the men that were 20 years old and older who were able to go to war. Now, this is, by the way, where we get the name of this book. That's why it's called Numbers, uh, because of the counting, the census, counting the number of men that could go to war, 20 years old and older. So God spoke to Moses in the tabernacle just as God speaks to us at church. God speaks through his word. God speaks through his servant. God speaks through his people, but he does that at church. Now, God can speak to us anywhere but he has chosen the church to be the main place for proclaiming his word. Now, uh, like uh, Gary mentioned, you know, you can go to Napa Auto Parts. I thought he was in Napa Valley, California. That's where I thought he was. 
Then I was going to ask him what he was doing there, because that's all wine country. But anyway, uh, that's not where he was. He was at the auto parts store. So we can proclaim the word of God anywhere. But I think you know what I mean. This is where we gather. For this purpose, we come to church for the proclamation of the word of God. And this is why it's so important that we be faithful attenders at church. Because God speaks primarily to us at church. And God may be planning to speak to you the day you miss. God may be planning to speak through you the day you miss. And so whenever possible, don't miss. Don't miss church because God may want to speak to you. Well, God spoke to Moses in the tabernacle, told him what to do. And Moses and Israel obeyed. When you look to the last verse of this chapter, verse 54, it says there, And the children of Israel did, according to all the Lord commanded Moses, so did they. And so they obeyed, just as God expects us to obey his commands. We are to obey the instructions that God gives us. And God's commands, God's instructions are for our own good. He's not trying to take away our fun. He's teaching us how to live the abundant life. And God honors our obedience. When we don't feel like it, he honors our obedience and we do it anyway. When we just don't want to, he honors our obedience anyway. So God spoke to Moses through the tab- or in the tabernacle, and God speaks to us through his church. And Moses and Israel obeyed, and we must obey as well. That's instruction. But secondly, let's look at calculation. Twelve of the tribes are to be counted. Moses was to have help in the counting. If you look in verse 4 that I read there, it says that one man from each tribe was to assist him. We learn from that that God's leaders need help. God's leaders need help. We're all ministers. Uh, the, the church where I served before coming here, on the back of the bulletin, it, it had the list of who the organist was, who the pianist was, and so on. But at the very top, it said, ministers, all the congregation. Not my name. didn't have my name there. I was the pastor, but the ministers was all of us. We're all ministers. And the word minister means to serve or to help. And so I encourage you. To figure out how you can minister through this church right here. Now, I also encourage you, I've said this many times before, to get your own ministry outside of the church. But here in the church, there are so many formal ways for you to minister, to serve. And there's plenty of informal ways for you to serve uh, inside the church. Be creative in developing your own God-given gifts to serve God and his people through his church. You say, well, we've got deacons and we've got trustees and we've got a buildings and grounds. I let them take care of it. Well, no, they have their responsibilities. And some of those responsibilities, maybe you could share with them or maybe you could do something else. If you know what your gifts and abilities are, but you don't know how to use them at the church, that's why you need to get together with me. You know, almost every week I say, call me, email me, text me, uh, not just to be saved, but if you've got gifts that you want to use, God has laid this on your heart, but you just don't know where to start, you don't know how to do it, get with me. And we'll figure out a way to plug you in so that you can serve God using his unique calling in your life. But anyway, back to the calculation, this is what they were to do. They were to count these people. Now, what purpose would counting serve? To count everybody up. Well, first of all, to prepare for battle. Israel was heading on their way to conquer the promised land. 
And so they needed to count and make sure that uh, they had enough people to do what they needed to do. And so that would be for their benefit to realize uh, just how many they had. Jesus told a parable uh, similar to this in Luke chapter 14 and verse 31. He says, what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000? And so you just do that. You figure out how many, how many people you have so that you can go to war. A second purpose for counting would be to show God's superiority over the nations. As it turns out from verse 46, we find out that Israel had 603,550 fighting men. Let me say that again. 603,550 fighting men, 20 years old and older, that could go to war. The Canaanites would have more. But God was able to accomplish victory with fewer. And so this would show God's superiority over the nations. He was still going to have Israel go to war, but even though numerically they would be outmatched or outnumbered, God would still bring the victory. Remember this about God. God can do anything but fail. So trust him regardless of your circumstances. A common theme from this morning, trust him, trust him. And so what purpose would counting serve? Number one, prepare for battle. Number two, show God's superiority over the nations. And thirdly, it would confirm God's promises to Abraham. Now, the count was 603, 550,000 men, 20 years old and above. Add to this women, children, and the elderly, you get about 2 million people. When they count everybody up, 2 million people. Remember where this all began? It began with a 99-year-old man with no kids. A 99-year-old man, Abram, no kids, and now you got 603,000 fighting men and probably a nation of 2 million people. My friends, God's promises may be delayed, but they're never deleted. His promises may be delayed. It took a while. You know if the story, if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, it took a while for God to, you know, come through with his promise. But now we get to the book of Numbers and there's two million people here. It all started with God's fulfilling his promise to Abraham and Sarah. And so we've seen instruction and calculation. Thirdly, I want us to look at exception. Exception. If you look in verse 47, the Levites were not included in this particular count. It says, verse 47, but the Levites, after the tribe of their fathers, were not numbered among them. Now, there certainly would have been Levites who were 20 years old and older who could have gone to war, but they were not included in this particular account because the Levites had tabernacle responsibilities. Look in verse 50. But thou shalt appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony and over all the vessels thereof and over all the things that belong to it. They shall bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof Excuse me, and they shall minister unto it and shall encamp round about the tabernacle. So they had tabernacle responsibilities. This tent where the people would, would meet to worship God. They had responsibilities not only over the tent, but the vessels. Uh, there was lots of different vessels. We won't get into that tonight, but the same idea is here at church, our offering plates and our communion ware, that kind of thing. They had to keep track of all of that. They had to set up and tear down the tabernacle and carry it when they moved. 
And so they weren't counted among those who would go to war because they were going to stay home with the tabernacle. And you know you always need a praying church back home when your military is at war. You need a praying church back home when you send our boys and ladies to go fight. The Levites were to stay home during the war. There's always a spiritual battle to fight at home. And notice what it says there also in verse 50. They were to live around the tabernacle. They weren't just to work in it and serve in it, but they were to live around it. To guard the temple from intruders. To keep the strangers away, those that would plunder, those that would profane. And they were also to help keep away God's wrath. Look in verse 53. But the Levites shall pitch round about the tabernacle of testimony, that there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel, and the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. In fact, they were to be such guards that they were to kill anyone who approached the tabernacle unprepared. Look in verse 51. And when the tabernacle sets forward, the Levites shall take it down. When the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And the stranger that comes near shall be put to death. Serious business. Sherry just wants us to make sure the doors are locked. <laughs> and we agree with you, by the way. But I'm just saying, this is really serious. Somebody comes there that shouldn't be there, kill them. This is God's house. The tabernacle was to be kept orderly. Tabernacle was to be kept holy. In the same way, must, we must keep the church holy. We must keep the church holy by what we do here. The church is a place for worshiping and honoring God. Churches are not to be used for gambling. Churches are not to be used for dancing. Churches are not to be used for partying. Now, I know maybe our youth group will have a Christmas party, but I'm, I'm just saying uh, this is a holy place. This is God's house. And we shouldn't make it unholy. We must keep the church holy by what we do here. We must keep the church holy by who we are. The Bible says our bodies are God's temple. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul writes, What, don't you know your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have God and you are not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belong to God. After we've received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, once we believe the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried for our sins, and rose again the third day, at that moment, our bodies become his very temple. And we are commanded to be holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says, You be holy, even as I am holy, saith the Lord. And so we must keep the church holy by what we do here. We must keep the church holy by who we are. And uncomfortably, we must keep the church holy by church discipline. Jesus outlines for us in Matthew 18, and I just talked about this a few weeks ago, so I don't want to go back over it. But when church members become errant, they need to be disciplined. But through this discipline, we are seeking a redemptive solution. It's not just a way to get this person or get that person or let's embarrass them, let's embarrass their family. That's not it at all. We seek a redemptive solution. But as Jesus presents it to us in Matthew 18, church discipline may result in excommunication. That's the final thing. If the individual or individuals will not repent, they must be booted. 
And I don't know of anybody that wants to do that. I don't know of anybody that wants to go through that. I don't know of any church that would relish in that opportunity. Again, through church discipline, we seek a redemptive solution. That's why Jesus says, go to the person individually, try to fix it there, and if not, bring a couple other people with you and try to fix it there. And if not so, then bring them before the church, and it's ultimately fixed when you boot them out. The point is a three-step process. Hopefully within the first two steps, things are corrected and they are restored and the church is unified. Now these Levites were set apart from everyone else. During the census, they were set apart. As far as their living area, they lived around the tabernacle, they were set apart. Just as ministers are set apart. Ministers, pastors, we're set apart. We're not better than anybody else. We are set apart to set an example for others. We are called to specific service in the church. But we are also subject to church discipline as well. I have a special calling as your pastor, but I'm no different than you are. We're all ministers together. And if I mess up, you need to try to redemptively restore me through the same three-step process that the deacons and I would use with you if that were the case. But let's just us here, since we're all friends, let's just commit, we're not going to mess up, so we don't have to do that. Let's be holy as we've been commanded. Be holy even as I am holy, saith the Lord. Live a holy, godly life that brings glory and honor and praise to God. So as we are looking at numbers here, we see, first of all, the instruction. God gives Moses instruction in the tabernacle just as God speaks to us at his church. Yes, he can speak anywhere, anytime, through anybody. But this is the primary formal way in which he speaks to us. It's important that we be here to know what he's saying. Secondly, we looked at calculation. These 12 tribes are to be counted. And Moses got help in the counting. He wasn't to do it himself. He only had 20 fingers and toes. What's he supposed to do? He ended up counting up to, you know, 600,000 people. And remember, that counting would serve a great purpose, preparing them for battle, showing God's superiority over the nations, and confirming God's promises to Abraham. And then we looked at the exception. These Levites, because they were the religious leaders... They were accepted from the census. They stayed home, not to keep the home fires burning. They stayed home to keep the church going, as it were, to keep praying that God would bring glory and victory to himself through the battle. Let's keep the church holy by what we do here. Let's keep the church holy by who we are. And God forbid, let's keep the church holy through church discipline. And so as we go along in the book of Numbers, we're going to see a lot of stuff. <laughs> Some of it's kind of weird, to be honest, for our modern minds. But it's the word of God. And there's plenty we can learn from it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to be together in your house, to sing your praises, to share uh, our testimonies with each other, and to hear your word. As we've launched into this study of the book of Numbers, teach us. Numbers are important. Numbers is important. 
and show us how important it is as we grow in your grace and knowledge. Bless us as we go from this place. Protect us as we travel. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, everybody.